Chapter Thirteen of Margaret Fuller, Marquesa Osoli, by Julia Ward Howe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Period of agitation in Rome. Margaret's zeal for Italian freedom. Her return to Rome. Review of the civic guard. Church fasts and feasts. Pope Pius. The rainy season. Promise of representative government in Rome. Celebration of this event. Mazzini's letter to the Pope. Beauty of the spring. Italy in revolution. Popular excitements in Rome. Pope Pius deserts the cause of freedom. Margaret leaves Rome for Aquila. The period in which Margaret now found herself, and its circumstances, may best be described by the adjective billowy. Up and down, up and down went the hearts and hopes of the Liberal Party. Hither and thither ran the tides of popular affection, suspicion, and resentment. The Pope was the idol of the moment. Whoever might do wrong, he could not. The Grand Duke of Tuscany, described by Margaret as dull but well-meaning, yielded to pressure whenever it became most severe. The Austrian occupation was cowardly and cruel as ever. The minor princes, who had been from their birth incapable of an idea, tried, as well as they could, to put on some semblance of concession, without really yielding anything. The king of Sardinia was spoken of among the liberals as a worthless man, without heart or honor, only likely to be kept on the right side by the stress of circumstance. This judgment of him was reversed in after years, when, beside Casaguidi windows, Elizabeth Barrett Browning wrote, with steadfast hand, Yea, verily, Charles Albert has died well. The royalty of Naples tried to quiet its tremors with blood, and trembled still. And in the midst of all this turmoil, down comes Louis-Philippe from his throne, and France is shaken to her very centre. To follow Margaret through all the fluctuations and excitements consequent upon these events would be no easy task. She was obviously in close relations with the leading Italian liberals, and probably trusted their statements and shared their hopes, fears, and resentments. Constant always in her faith in human nature, and in her zeal for the emancipation of Italy, the dissolving view before her could leave her no other fixed belief. Her favorites, her beloved Italian people, even her adored Rome, appeared to her, at different times, in very various lights. Starting from the date given above, we will follow, as well as we can, her progress through the constantly shifting scenes that surrounded her, from whose intense interest she could not, for one moment, isolate herself. Of her return to Rome, Margaret says, All mean things were forgotten in the joy that rushed over me like a flood. The difference between a sightseeing tour and a winter's residence in such a place is indeed like that between a chance acquaintance and an intimate one. Settled in a pleasant apartment on the Corso, in a house of loving Italians, Margaret promised herself a winter of tranquil companionship with what she calls the true Rome. She did not find the Italian autumn beautiful, as she had expected but she enjoyed the october festas of the trastevarini and went with half rome to see the manoeuvres of the civic guard on the campagna near the tomb of cecilia metella 
to the music of the bolognese march six thousand romans moved in battle array in full sight of the grandiose debris of the heroic time some sightseeing margaret still undertook as we learn from a letter dated november seventeen in which she speaks of going about in a coach with several people and confesses that she dissipates her thoughts on outward beauty such was her delight at this time in the atmosphere of the european mind that she even wished for a time to be delivered from the sound of the english language the beginning of this winter was as it usually is in italy a season of fine weather on the seventeenth of december margaret rises to bask in beneficent floods of sunlight and to find upon her table the roses and grapes which in new england would have been costly hothouse luxuries her letter of this date is full of her delight in having penetrated from the outer aspect to the heart of rome classic medieval and modern and here we come upon the record of those first impressions concerning which we latterly indulged in some speculation ah how joyful to see once more this rome instead of the pitiful peddling anglicized rome first viewed in unutterable dismay from the coupe of the vettura a rome all full of taverns lodging-houses cheating chambermaids vilest valet de place and fleas a niobe of nations indeed ah why secretly the heart blasphemed did the sun omit to kill her too when all the glorious race which wore her crown fell beneath his ray all this had now disappeared for margaret and a new enchantment had taken the place of the old illusion and disappointment for she was now able to disentangle the strange jumble of ancient and modern rome in this more understanding and familiar view she says the old kings the councils and tribunes the emperors drunk with blood and gold return for us the seven hills tower the innumerable temples glitter and the via sacra swarms with triumphal life once more in the later papal rome she discerns through the confusion of rite and legend a sense which to her marks the growth of the human spirit struggling to develop its life and the rome of that day was dear to her in spite of its manifold corruptions dear for the splendor of the race surviving every enslaving and deforming influence dear for the newborn hope of freedom which she considered safe in the nursing of pope pius most of the occasions chronicled by margaret in her letters of this period are of the sort familiarly known to travellers and even to readers of books of travel the prayers for the dead early in november the festival of san carlo borromeo the veiling of a nun the worship of the wooden image called the most holy child idolatrous margaret thinks as that of the capitoline jove the blessing of the animals the festival of the magi at the propaganda these events are all described by her with much good thought and suggestion she saw the pope occasionally at the grand ceremonies of the church and saw the first shadow fall upon his popularity partly in consequence of some public utterances of his which seemed to margaret deplorably weak in thought and absolute in manner and which she could not but interpret as implying that 
whatever reform might in future militate against sacerdotal traditions it would go to the wall in order that the priest might triumph the glorious weather had departed almost as soon as she had sung its praises namely on the eighteenth of december after which time her patience was sorely tried by forty days of rain accompanied by abominable reeking odours such as blessed cities swept by the sea-breeze never know we copy from one of her letters a graphic picture of this time of trial it has been dark all day though the lamp has only been lit half an hour the music of the day has been first the atrocious arias which last in the corso till near noon then came the wicked organ-grinder who apart from the horror of the noise grinds exactly the same obsolete abominations as at home or in england the copenhagen waltz home sweet home and all that the cruel chance that both an english my lady and a counsellor from the provinces lives opposite keeps him constantly before my window hoping for baiocchi within the three pet dogs of my landlady bereft of their walk unable to employ their miserable legs and eyes exercise themselves by a continual barking which is answered by all the dogs in the neighbourhood an urchin returning from the laundress delighted with the symphony lays down his white bundle in the gutter seats himself on the curbstone and attempts an imitation of the music of cats as a tribute to the concert the doorbell rings qui est who is it cries the handmaid enter a man poisoning me at once with the smell of the worst possible cigars insisting i shall look upon frightful ill-cut cameos and worse designed mosaics made by some friend of his man of ill odours and meanest smile i am no countess to be fooled by you these passages give us some glimpses of our friend in the surroundings which at first gave her so much satisfaction and whose growing discomforts were lightened for her by her native sense of humour in spite of this however the dirt the gloom the desolation of rome affected her severely her appetite failed and with it her strength while nervous headache and fever conspired to make the whole season appear in review the most idle and most suffering one of her life the most important public event of the winter in rome seems to have been the inauguration of a new council with some show of popular election said to have been on the whole satisfactory as this was considered a decided step in the direction of progress preparations were made for its celebration by the representatives of other italian states and of various friendly nations the americans resident in rome were aroused to an unwonted degree of interest the gentlemen subscribing funds for the materials of a flag and the ladies meeting to make it to accompany this banner a magnificent spread eagle was procured everything was in the height of preparation when some counter-influence brought to bear upon the pope led him to issue an edict forbidding this happy concourse of the flags of all nations and allowing only that of rome to be carried in honour of the occasion margaret saw in this the work of the oscurantists ever on the watch to do mischief to the popular cause 
despite the disappointment of the citizens at this curtailment of their show the streets were decorated and filled with people in the best humour margaret was able to see nothing but this crowd but found even that a great pleasure a ball at the argentina theatre terminated the festivities of the day here were seen lord minto prince corsini now senator the torlonias in the uniform of the civic guard princess torlonia the beautiful colonna in a sash of their colours which she waved often in answer to their greetings the finest show of the evening margaret says was the native saltarello danced by the trasteverini in their gayest costumes in this dance which is at once very naive and very natural margaret saw the embodiment of the italian wine the italian sun in the course of this winter it became evident that the liberalism of pionono would not stand the test of any extensive practical application his position was indeed a very difficult one the natural allies and supporters of the papacy being without exception the natural enemies of the new ideas to which he had so incautiously opened the door margaret relates various attempts made by austrians in lombardy and by oscurantists in rome to excite the people to overt acts of violence and thus gain a pretext for the employment of armed force in rome on new year's day an attempt of this sort was near succeeding the governor of the city having ungraciously forbidden the people to wait upon the pope at the quirinal and to ask for his blessing fortunately instead of rising in rebellion they betook themselves to senator corsini by whose friendly interposition the pope was induced to make a progress through the city interrupted only by the prayers of his subjects who falling on their knees as he passed cried out holy father don't desert us don't forget us don't listen to our enemies the pope in tears replying fear nothing my people my heart is yours and this tender-hearted populace seeing that the pope looked ill and that the weather was inclement begged him to return to the quirinal which he did the popular leader cicerocchio following his carriage a letter from mazzini to pope pius printed in paris had reached italy by this time and was translated by margaret for publication in the new york tribune some passages of it will not be out of place here as showing the position and outlook of a man by far the most illustrious of the italian exiles and one whose purity of life and excellence of character gave to his opinions a weight beyond their intellectual value after introducing himself as one who adores god mazzini says that he adores also an idea which seems to him to be of god that of italy is an angel of moral unity and of progressive civilization for the nations of europe having studied the great history of humanity and having there found rome twice directress of the world first through the emperors later through the popes he is led to believe that the great city is destined to a third and more lasting period of supremacy i believe that another european world ought to be revealed from the eternal city that had the capital and has the vatican and this faith has not abandoned me through years poverty and griefs which god alone knows 
one cannot help pausing here to reflect that in both historic instances the supremacy of rome was due to a superiority of civilization which she has long lost and is not likely to regain in this day of the world mazzini says to the pope there is no man this day in all europe more powerful than you you then have most holy father vast duties he now passes on to a review of the situation europe is in a tremendous crisis of doubts and desires faith is dead catholicism is lost in despotism protestantism is lost in anarchy the intellect travels in a void the bad adore calculation physical good the good pray in hope nobody believes i call upon you after so many ages of doubt and corruption to be the apostle of eternal truth i call upon you to make yourself the servant of all to sacrifice yourself if needful so that the will of god may be done on earth as it is in heaven to hold yourself ready to glorify god in victory or to repeat with resignation if you must fail the words of gregory the seventh i die in exile because i have loved justice and hated iniquity but for this to fulfil the mission which god confides to you two things are needful to be a believer and to unify italy the first of these two clauses is here amplified into an exhortation which edifying in itself had in it nothing likely to suggest to the person addressed any practical solution of the difficulties which surrounded him having shown the head of christendom the way to right belief mazzini next instructs him how to unify italy for this you have no need to work but only to bless him who works through you and in your name gather round you those who best represent the national party do not beg alliances with princes say the unity of italy ought to be a fact of the nineteenth century and it will suffice leave our pens free leave free the circulation of ideas in what regards this point vital for us of the national unity here follows some special directions with regard to the several powers to be dealt with in the projected unification the result of all this foreseen by mazzini would be the foundation of a government unique in europe which shall destroy the absurd divorce between spiritual and temporal power and in which you shall be chosen to represent the principle of which the men chosen by the nation will make the application the unity of italy says mazzini is a work of god it will be fulfilled with you or without you but i address you because i believe you worthy to take the initiative in a work so vast because the revival of italy under the aegis of a religious idea of a standard not of rights but of duties would leave behind all the revolutions of other countries and place her immediately at the head of european progress pure and devout as are the sentiments uttered in this letter the views which accompany them have been shown by subsequent events to be only partially just only partially realizable 
the unification of italy may to-day be called a work of god but had it been accomplished on the theocratic basis imagined by mazzini it could not have led either europe or italy itself to the point now reached through manifold endeavour and experience spirits may be summoned from the upper air as well as from the vasty deep but they will not come until the time is ripe for their work and yet are prayer and prophecy of this sort sacred and indispensable functions in the priesthood of ideas on march twenty ninth eighteen forty eight margaret is able to praise once more the beauty of the scene around her now the italian heavens wear again their deep blue the sun is glorious the melancholy lustres are stealing again over the campagna and hundreds of larks sing unwearied above its ruins nature seems in sympathy with the great events that are transpiring what were these events which margaret says stunned her by the rapidity and grandeur of their march the face of italy was changed indeed sicily was in revolt naples in revolution milan venice modena and parma were driving out their tyrants and in rome men and women were weeping and dancing for joy at the news abroad louis-philippe had lost his throne and metternich his power margaret saw the austrian arms dragged through the streets and burned in the piazza del popolo the italians embraced one another and cried miracolo providenza the tribune cicerwacchio fed the flame with faggots adam mishkowitz the great poet of poland long exiled from his country looked on the double-headed austrian eagle was torn from the front of the palazzo di venezia and in his place was set the inscription alta italia by april first the austrian viceroy had capitulated at verona and italy appeared to be or was for the time free independent and won poor pope pius meanwhile had fallen more and more into the rear of the advancing movement and finally kept step with it only as he was compelled to do secretly looking for the moment when he should be able to break from the ranks which he himself had once led on may seventh margaret writes of his final dereliction to the cause of freedom by which phrase she describes his refusal to declare war against austria after having himself done and approved of much which led in that direction the position of the pontiff was now most unhappy alarmed at the agitation and turmoil about him it is probable that he bitterly regretted the acts in which he had been sincere but of which he had not foreseen the consequences margaret describes him as isolated in his palace guided by his confessor weak and treacherous in his movements privately disowning the measures which the popular feeling compelled him to allow and secretly doing his utmost to counteract them in the month of may margaret enjoyed some excursions into the environs of rome she visited albano frascati and ostia and passed some days at subiaco and at tivoli on the twenty eighth of the same month she left rome for the summer and retired to aquila a little ruined town in the abruzzi mountains where after so many painful excitements she hoped to find tranquillity and rest End of chapter thirteen